Hi, I'm Danilo Perez, and you are listening to Talking Blues. So I want to ask you, last night you did a show, um, partly improvisational and partly composed, if I understand this correctly. Yes. Tell me the difference in, in your approach to playing something that has been composed that you're reading versus something that's totally improvised? That's a great question. Um, one of the great lessons that we learned from Wayne is to be able to uh, visualize uh, improvisation as a part of a composition. Okay, I should just say it's Wayne Shorter. Uh, Wayne Shorter, yes, I'm sorry, yeah. One of the lessons we learned from Wayne Shorter was to, uh, to visualize uh, improvisations as a part of the composition. So that's a concept that I've been uh, working on at the Berkeley Global Jazz Institute, and I call that compromising, which is that middle point where you have composition and an improvisation. And that concept, we call it compromising. And what it is, what it takes is almost like you're reading a book and you're reading a story, and as you're reading uh, the book, you're also imagining uh, what you could follow up with. So there is an exchange. So it does takes different part of your being. Uh, one is more focused in the story that you are looking at it. The other is visualizing what could follow up to that uh, piece that is there. You know, so it at the end of the day. It's really the same, it's, it's, it's touching the same part of us as human beings. But, but when you sit down at the piano last night, mm -hmm. and the, the next piece is the total improvisational piece, you have not discussed any of this with the other musicians on stage. Yes. Yeah, we didn't. So it's like, <laughs> from <laughs> off the top, let's go, and there's no planning ahead. Right. Okay. You know... Since we met, um, since we were talking, since we were hanging backstage, that for me is already the rehearsal. Because when you go and perform, you are trying to express emotions and feelings and circumstances in the moment, but they're coming from very emotional place too. Mm -hmm. So the, the rehearsal happens before you hit the stage. There's, there is such a, you know, um, a communication already, you know, hearing Sakir's voice and his, the, way, the rhythm, the speech, the way he speaks, I was already hearing something on top of that. Right. That's his story. And John and Brian, we know each other so well from playing with the quartet. So we are not afraid, you know, it takes, it takes like no fear attitude. And the power of love and joy to really do that. And, of course, practice. <laughs> you right, know. right. Okay, so if I understand this correctly, you were taught initially by your father. Yes. And if, if I'm also correct, one of the greatest things he taught you was how to listen. Yes. Can you talk about that, that the art of listening to music and learning off of that? Um. My father wrote a thesis in 1967 that speaks to the power of music in, in society. 
how to teach music, how to use music to teach these subjects, mathematics, social science, all of that. Right. So that was my initial relationship to music. And from early on in my life, he would, um, he would use music, for example, to, to say, you know, two plus two is four, four plus two is six, six plus two is eight, and A is 16. And then the next time he would leave it blank. Two plus two is four. Four plus two is... And there was a space. Six. And, you know, da, da, da. and that always, always. So my initial relationship with music was the music was a tool to, for learning. So in that sense, you're already practicing a lot of things there because you are, you are always uh, paying attention right. and how people... For example, he taught me to pay attention how people speak and the rhythms and as a matter of fact that's one of the homeworks that you do in my class in my workshop is to transcribe your own speeches um, so my father taught me to say how are you? I'm fine without words you know da 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 pam pam da 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 and you and how are you going to do and how is going to be your day always rhythm and music but more rhythm than notes? Um, not really. It was, um, you know, he would take the guitar and he would show me chords and then he would show me songs and he would ask me to sing the second voice. I was a little kid. <laughs> it was all fun, you know. It, it went around the circle right. where the guitar was the foundation, the percussion was the foundation. Um, a lot of percussion, definitely. Okay, I don't know if you can answer this, but how much do you think that is... The fact that you're such a great musician, how much is that based on the early training you got from your father versus natural talent? That's a great question, Marco. Nowadays it's been proven that music has the power to, um, to expand our, the plasticity of the, of the brain, you mm -hmm. know? So I do believe there is, a, there is a, a natural tendency that you have towards music but I also believe that the environment is an important role so my dad I, I have to credit my dad as my first mentor who really set the foundation for me to become a professional in music but your mom wasn't always on side with this or she wasn't totally <laughs> convinced that you should be a musician no, because in our countries, you know, musicians are, are like a side work, you know, it's like a hobby. Right. We, we have the, 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 it's not, it's not a career that you aspire, you know, from early on in your life, like, wow, I want to be a musician, because everybody said, well, you need to have a real career just in case you, right. you can't make a living, you know, that's part of the, the uh, stigma and the, in our countries, you know. I'm not sure if it's only in your country. Actually, you're right. Yeah. Also here yeah. in the United States is also here in Canada probably. But yeah. I, I just feel you have more... It, there's a support system. There's a cultural support system. You have you have grants for a composer. You have... I mean, there's so right. many... You have this place. I mean, the Kerner Hall. I, I just feel we're so... Um, uh, we're still... Uh, years uh, behind, right? But you're building that with your with the jazz Panama, festival, yes, with the Panama Canal, with the Panama Canal, no, with the Panama Jazz Festival. Right. At the age of twelve, you're already working as a professional musician. Are you thinking that I'm going to be a professional musician? Um, 
for me all that doing all that time it was just the passion of learning music loving music it didn't really hit me until probably you know I was 14 when when I saw myself I was actually I was performing with a lot of great artists but I would say around 15 and a half 16 I'm not sure with, with which which one is it but I remember being in my in my uh, test I studied electronics and uh, I just instead of focusing on the test I started seeing uh, people applauding and, and me on the stage and that was the day that I had the revelation to quit right. what I was doing with electronics because I tried to commit with my mother too my mother wanted a real career so I pursued electronics too all the way to university the first part but then when I had that vision you know like when I had that that image you know people applauding I, I just I couldn't help it anymore and I quit right there I just made a complete turn into music 100% and did you have any idea what that meant I know you had played with a lot of grades by then and no. you had been exposed to what playing in front of people was like but what, what it meant to become a musician. Did you have any thoughts on what the reality of that was? Well, I, I've, I have had an... Uh, I, I have experienced, I would say, the, 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 all the top musicians in Panama experiences and all the mentors, and I have experienced some of the great artists like Danny Rivera from Puerto Rico, and you know many of them who came to Panama and, and when they met me they really were very supportive about you gonna you're a musician there's no doubt about it you gotta go um, so I what I would say it took it took this kind of a, a moment a revelation I think it was a revelation for me what I what I just saw is is I and I tend to still do that it's almost like a dream daydream kind of thing I was very focused on my test, and I just saw something far away that told me music is your path, and I I, I felt it like it was reflected like that. Was music was, ever difficult for you? Well, difficult in the sense of, of, of learning and stuff like that, you mean? Or the realities of this business being difficult. Yeah, I, when I was a kid, I had a hard time because... Um, Everywhere I go, I was always the, the, the little kid. And uh, sometimes it created jealousy. It created um, blocking sometimes from older right. or the people. When I was 14 years old, I attended an, uh, an open audition with all the professionals in Panama, and I won the, the share. So that was a big deal in my, in my life. Um, it was tough because it, it, it kind of it wasn't normal to, to have... Um, a young man really getting the job of an adult, you right. know. So that was a big deal for me. So, but at the same time, I had the support of my father, all my mentors, uh, my peers, the environment. Sometimes where they they saw me as uh, obsessive with the music, obsessive with my career. You know, I didn't really have uh, that kind of normal child you know life where you know they have time to to like you know play or 
I, I did play though, but but I was always very like focused on my. I always kept a schedule, you know. It was that was my life, and I enjoy it very much. I don't have any regret. Right, because when I read about your career, it just seems like you you have opportunities presented to you, and you always take advantage of it, and people recognize you, and then they give you guidance, and then you go to the next level, and somebody else recognizes and gives you another opportunity. It's it's quite an impressive. That's that's actually very well put. I, that's how I felt. That's how I've been always. I, if a door opens, I try to do my best. Right. And that has been my mantra since I was a kid. My father told me always be, do the best you can in every situation. Bring bring everything, not just your skill, but also your humanity, your experience, your desire to transcend. He, he taught me that, and my mother too. Did you ever have any failures? Or oh yeah. Blocks? Oh yeah. I remember, I was talking about this just in Panama. Being a being a young uh, musician with 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 uh, an apparent talent for this and, and no other choice for other career <laughs> since you are young, it creates a lot of expectations. Right. So when I won a scholarship and I came to the United States, I came first to Indiana University in Pennsylvania. Then I moved to uh, Berkeley. I won a scholarship um, that uh, the scholarship was given by Mr. Quincy Jones. Mm-hmm. There was a friend of mine in Boston called um, Jorge Carrizo, who has uh, been a supporter since I was a kid, and he was a pianist itself, also a study at Berkeley College of Music. And the first semester I, I, I went to school, I remember going everywhere, because that was also one, one of the things I, was, I always listened to music, everywhere. So I would stand up and hear this amazing pianist, and I'd just say, man, I want to study with you. And they would say to me, especially one pianist from Turkey, Aydin Essen, he would say, oh, man, I'm a student, man. I, I, you know, I'm not a teacher. And then I started seeing a lot of those type of players that... I thought they were teachers, the, 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 the professors, right. the way they play, the level they play. And man, I freaked out. I just, I, I got scared for the first time in my life. You know, I started to see there was another level, there was a bunch of other talent in the world, and not that I, that I, that I did not know, but I never experienced firsthand that... Um, I started remember my mother. My mother maybe was right, you know. I should have taken an electronic <laughs> career. This is going to be rough. Right. So I got scared. And I went to my friend, who at that point, he has retired. He was the consul. Not retired. He was basically not doing music as much. But he, he was um, the consul of Panama in Boston. And I said, man, I can't do this. I'm going back home. As soon as I, you know, I don't even know if I have the, you know, I feel so much. I feel afraid. And he said... Man, I know you since, since you were a kid. And if you, especially you, quit, this is really bad for us. Because I see you playing with a lot of people, with the great ones. That's not going to be a problem, he told me. But don't quit for your country. If you don't do it for yourself, do it for your country. And that, that kind of pep talk really, really was helpful. And I went back home and I just started practicing a lot. And I just, you know, I remember people from from Japan and especially Korean, Asian, 
they were very disciplined. They practiced many hours, so I would just make make sure that I that I I was the last last one leaving after they left. I just kept looking at it, and and that was a very tough moment because mm-hmm. I never experienced that, and I got afraid of. That was one I remember. The other one is my first gig with John Hendrix, the great jazz singer. I practiced the whole repertory. It was like knocking Cole. We did Aura Silver, Duke Callington, I mean, all, all this repertory. And he wanted me to learn all the parts, the orchestra, the introduction. I had to play exactly like the records. So the, the day of the concert, first concert, he comes in and he said, Danilo, I gotta, I'm, I'm coming down with a call. So, you know, I don't know if I can hit those same keys. So the night of the concert, he came and said, man, you're going to have to change the keys to everything like a whole step down. Right. Oh, my God, Marco, that was, that was a disaster. My first experience, um, I just couldn't do it um, at, the level, at the level that, that, that he wanted and that he deserved, you know. So he gave me a hard time on the bus ride. Oh, my God, I cried, and I almost quit there, too. I was like, wow, I can't do this. I called my father, and my father said to me, do you know, he said, just think of today as, as a rehearsal of tomorrow. And that, that was it for me. Nice. And the next time, I, I, I didn't only, I, 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 I couldn't only do in one key. I, I actually, the, the, the next time it, he did that, I was able to do it in all the keys, you know, any key he would put it. So he was very happy about it. Wow. Yeah. So I, I mean, I would presume that these setbacks are always a positive, depending on how you look at it, and to be able to, as long as you don't quit. That's right. More. That's right. You've had a lot of, on the other side, you've had a lot of very positive things happen to you, like yeah. being in Dizzy Gillespie's United Nations Orchestra, being the youngest member of that. Yeah. When when you had the successes, how did you deal with that? Was that in terms of your ego? How did you deal with? all these opportunities that came towards you? Great question. I, I started to see my life in, in, and it was moving fast. I can imagine. It was super fast. I mean, I was at Berkeley for like a semester and a half and then like some on the road with John Hendricks and then I'm with Paquito de Rivera and with Tom Heil, all the great ones. And, and do, are you realizing how great this is? Like that this is not an opportunity afforded to most people? You know, with time, I started to... You know, when I think of that, it seems like another person to me. It, uh, you know, and I guess what happened to me was when when I did have a moment of when I moved to New York and I had a moment of I was losing control in terms of, you know, the hangout and going out at night, not sleeping at all. Um, something hit me hard because when I left Panama, I made a public promise on TV that if I got the chance to learn and grow as a musician, I would never abandon my peers, I would never abandon my, my country, and I would bring back what I what I learned. Right. You know. So while I while I'm doing all of this, something something that kept coming to me was was this feeling that something was a complete because my family wasn't there, my friends were not there, my you know, all these amazing things were happening, but I wasn't able to share it with my country, you know, and that was the moment during one of these Gillespie exchanges that I realized that 
What was happening to me had to do with the universe, had to do with something that I needed to exchange, something that I needed to work for. Right. And I think that that was an initial commitment to what I am now a social activist. You know, I think that was clear to me that all these things were happening in a way to to have that fulfillment of those dreams that I had from early on, which was to help my people and to to share with people. It wasn't for me. Right. But that's a huge thing. Yeah. Um, did you feel pressure of that? And no, I didn't. I, I just I just started doing it. I started to see things in perspective, you know. And I remember Dizzy Gillespie told me, uh, you know, he said to me, um, you'll get it what I'm trying to do. You, you, you'll you get it. Music is the greatest tool for diplomacy. Mm-hmm. He said, this is the best tool. This is um, something that that give hope to humanity. At one time, somebody asked him in an interview, when you die, how do you want to be remembered? They asked him, and he says, as a great humanitarian. And I thought he was going to answer the inventor of bebop or right. jazz. He didn't go there at all. So that was very moving to me. And that was that was one of the great... That's I guess that's my second... Um, biggest lesson after my father my father taught me with how to use music for interconnective education Dizzy Gillespie was teaching me the power of music to unite people in the world in terms of like philosophy and commitment so when did you get that when did you, when, that, when did that become a reality for you is to unite people you know from this from the musical standpoint of view Dizzy Gillespie experience was strong but I would say that December 20, I went to Panama and performed my first concert. And we, the concert was actually December 22nd. That was it, December 22nd. December 20, 1989, US, the USA invaded Panama. Right. So I'm caught up in there with the bombs and the, it was very scary. And you almost felt like, you know, that's it. It's, it's, you have to say goodbye, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. That was the feeling. So at that moment, I said, if, I, if we die, <laughs> um, if I die, I want to die playing music. So I asked my friend, who is the promoter, Javier Carrizo, who is the brother of the consul in Boston with the story of the... Oh, okay. So I said to him, I want to play the concert. So please, can we make it happen? And he was like, what? Are you crazy? I was like, no, let's do it. And it's like, so we did it. And... That day, we had people from left and right, people who were pro-United States, against United States, and we all came together for three hours of intense music that I play until I couldn't play anymore. I did it with a famous folkloric accordion player from Panama. His name is Osvaldo Ayala. And it was the moment that I realized that music unites people. And music is the most powerful tool that through music we can build a society with with ground, with positive values, with the culture that we with with the opportunity for culture and for music, for 
good music to come in our life and create those values. I, I just, I was a witness of that. Right. How it, it took away all the, the, the trouble. It became ter- therapy at that moment. It was therapeutic experience. And I, that's it, that convinced me that this is my mission in life. You know, wow. this is, yeah. Another thing he said to you, if I'm not mistaken, is during a great solo that you did, everybody's complimenting you, and Dizzy said, well, make it your own shit. Yeah. Tell me about that. Like, how easy is it to make it your own shit? <laughs> you know, I think what, what happened that moment, I was really in le- learning, and I wanted to play and, and learn the bebop and learn about Powell and, and I was trying to do my best in being in that language. Right. And after everybody complimented me on the solo discipline, that, that was good, but you know, uh, jazz, is, jazz asks you questions like, where you come from? Who are you? What do you gotta say? What is your story? And that was powerful. Because I I felt the both the yin and yang, you know, right. the compliment, but also the the deep questioning of a master like Dizzy Gillespie. Right. Um, how important is that global aspect of jazz? Because I know that you have like a global yeah. um, orchestra. You work with people from all over the world. How important is that to you? You know, Marco, going back to my childhood, in terms of now that you were asking me about the the unity. I remember when I was a kid and watching the 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 boats go through the Panama Canal and the Bridge of the Americas. And I remember daydreaming said, I wanna make music that that sounds like that. <laughs> you know, I mean you saw the world going through the Panama Canal. Yeah, yeah. So I guess those are the ideas I planted since I was a kid that I've been touching again you know how we all the promises of when you were a child you you reconstruct them in somewhere yeah. in your life and you go back to if they were really me they became out of out of your heart and out of your your um, emotions so to be able to um, work as a as a artist for peace for UNESCO for example has mm-hmm. given me a lot of uh, experiences in 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 you know, going to Africa, going to many different parts of the world where I can see how music is so valuable and so important to keep the community, to keep the the, uh, the integrity, the unity, the, the health of people. You know, having my wife, who is a music therapist, Patricia Sarate, who is an amazing musician and also a music therapy and to start understanding the power of music from the from ter- in terms of health has been a revelation and the work that we do is based in bringing people together unite people in the world through music it is a commitment is 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 something that i feel that is so relevant to the times we're living on. You know, we are having a lot of challenges with unity, mm-hmm. with community, with violence. And to be in, in, the, in the movement where the creation of the Berkeley Global Jazz Institute, where you actually are uniting all these leaders of the world, these young voices with their dreams and their 
folkloric abilities and the music they come from and use jazz as the umbrella where they can create a creative platform to exchange ideas and to create new models, pedagogical models that transcend what we see or what we live or what we imagine. This is, I think this is one of the movements, the cultural movement that we must support, we must practice because it's, it's not many left. Does it frustrate, I mean, all over the world, arts and music programs are being taken away from schools. How do you battle that? How do you, how does that battle get beaten? I think going to the youth, we just, we just experienced that in Panama. Just allow the youth to, to have a platform, a creative platform, where they can exchange with people from all over the world. They are brilliant, man. They are, you know, their desire, they let, let them build new policies in the world. Mm-hmm. I think we should allow events. I think that's, that's why music is important, creating musical events, creating uh, interaction for young people to come through music and then really inspire them about leadership and inspire them about how music is relevant in society because it builds sensibility that are important nowadays. It, it helps us to be... Um, more um, to have more integrity, more values in life, and to listen to each other. And something very important that jazz teaches or improvisational music is the art of negotiation, mm-hmm. which we don't don't have. So if you impact the youth and the young leaders, they will make the changes necessary. We have to focus in the young people. We have to bring. You know, I'm feeling it here. We played with a young orchestra last night, right. and they did an amazing job. You see, we're starting to bridge this gap between, you know, like university and life, like a, like a professional. I, I think we're not going to have those gaps anymore. I think it's people who are in university are the professionals oh, also. Sorry, can you just explain the art of negotiation? Because... I was going to ask you about <laughs> the difference between the art of playing versus the art of listening. And I think the art of listening is something that you teach. Um, but where does the negotiation come in? Well, the art of listening, you see what I mean? Like what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. So you're listening to me, I'm listening to you, but I'm also inner hearing my ideas, how to answer you. This is what, what we need to encourage then. Not just... Listening could be a, a, an active or inactive type of position. You know, you can be listening but not really have any thoughts about it or ideas about it. But in music and the way that we improvise, it's important to activate the inner hearing as you are listening to a story. Right. So that has to do more with, in music we call that having the, the sensibility of contrapoint. You know, that's what is. Now in terms of negotiation, having to do Negotiation is an important aspect because sometimes when you are improvising, you are visualizing ideas, where to go, that might conflict with the other ones, where they want to they go to. So how do you, uh, individuality, become a part of the community right. to create the ultimate goal of that moment? So it's not just full of agreement, you see the negotiations are full of uh, disagreement too. Right. So how do we make an opportunity 
out of that. And I think that's what jazz brings, you know, the tempo, you're a little bit ahead, but it still sound good. So what do you do? Do you push back or you stay up there? Right. You have to make those decisions really uh, it's fast. And these are models, like what we saw last night, having people who never play together improvise. They can create models of, of behaviors that could be used and transcend to other practices. Because one of the things that you're seeing in the world right now, especially right now in Washington, is that they, the art of negotiation, they, they just don't know how to negotiate. Right. And that comes because they can't listen to them. To, 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 they, they're not listening. And also, the important, the important aspect of all of this is that there is the ultimate, the ultimate goal that benefits the group, not the individual. So we're living in the world where we are excelling in, in individuals, um, but what we need is that more of that communal, that whatever we do affect the world, and we are getting to see it more and more. So that's why jazz is so important, because it's your idea, my idea, the other one idea, but we must come to the ultimate idea, which is the three of us becoming one. Right. Can, can we just talk a bit, little bit about the work you're doing here and the Global Messengers? Yes. During my experience at the Berkeley Global Jazz Institute, I met each of these individuals, the great improvisers, uh, Leith Siddiq from Iraq, Jordania is a violinist and a singer, and um, Nassim Alatrashi played cello from Palestine, Tarek Rantisi played percussion from Palestine, Farai Malek, she's a singer from the United States, Basilis Costa played the lauto, the Greek lauto. And I met each one of them at the Global Jazz Institute. <laughs> Separately so, or yeah. together? I, I met them, they were part of every year, coincidentally. Okay. They are alumni of the master program. So I was just starting to hear a sound to work with them and, and also the, reflecting the unity in the world, the different countries. And, and what, what I did was... We, we just started jamming and I started hearing their voices and I started writing music to their personality. And this piece that I premiere at Kerner Hall is called Fronteras because one of the things that is very inspiring to me is that I, I want to challenge that, that type of behavior that we have like with the President of the United States about immigration issues right. and it's a problem in the world with the walls and the, the way we have we have build walls unnecessarily. Um, so this, I created these short stories, and the first story is about this woman from Mexico who gave away her son to her grandfather because she believed that he's going to have a better life with a grandfather in the United States. So that's the first uh, movement. The second movement is a Palestinian, a young Palestinian, Palestinian student that want to come to the United States and get to stop in immigration. And this is a true story that happened three months ago. Although I, I had a dream of, with this story a year ago. It's wow. very interesting. So the third story is about the calling. It's, okay, so we have a humanitarian crisis, and what do we do as a society about this? What is our role? And that's, I wanted to write a piece that had that message. 
And then the last one is called unknown destination. We don't know if we even take a stand for where we're going to go. But I think living an optimistic life is, is a more powerful uh, for, for our generations. Thinking of what's coming in terms of what kind of society we want to leave to our children, I think that's a very important question to answer for us in the present time. Musically, when you meet these people from around the world, do you know immediately that you want to work with them? In this group, I, there was a specific moments when, when something light up my, my, um, my connection with them beyond being a mentor to them. Right. And I say, wow, I hear a sound there. I, I want to I wanna experience that. I felt that in Kerner Hall the night that we play with uh, Sakir Hussein too. I mean, I've always felt that with uh, with um, John and Brian. Or there's a light. There's something that in in our body that lights up. Like when you turn a light in a room. Right. That's how it feels. That. And it's immediate. It's immediate. Yeah, it's immediate. I mean, for some of them more than others, but. You know, I, I started creating this story as we got to know each other more and more. Right. And I one of the things that I that I've that I've used with this with this group, something we learned from working with, with the quartet was just to be patient and and, and 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 don't look at things as mistake when we try things. Look at them as opportunities. You know, that's what Wayne taught us and Wayne Shorter and uh, also he said, in order to create values, you have to feel resistance in life. And I have created a relationship with this concept. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's wonderful. And even when I'm having a lot of challenges, I, I feed off that and feed off chaos to really find, find, find my groove and find... But the, the idea of living off the moment... You know that whether you make a mistake or not. I mean, for somebody who's not musical, you think, "Oh, you made you hit the wrong note. That's not good." But to 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 go beyond that, yes, and say, "Oh, it's not about the wrong note, but it's about the experience." It's it's quite interesting. Yes, and I think it's applicable to everything. I think if you want to break loose and you have, to, if you want to find an antidote against routine behavior in life. I think that's gotta be at the top, a top behavior. You gotta, you gotta find a way to, to create different scenarios and go beyond the normal routine because the routine in life could be very, very. Uh, um, it can kill your spirit, you know. Mm -hmm. And and I think any any person that 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 finds new things or or touch upon a revelation for themselves has that behavior. They don't look at these things as mistake and they are not afraid to go out of their their comfort zone. I think that's a that's a that's a very um, usual behavior from people like that. Right. Well, I mean you're supposed to learn from mistakes. Right. But those are sometimes very difficult. Right. And that's a good that's a good thing. We learn from the mistake to accumulate more mistakes. Yeah. So, so we learn from them, we move forward, but we got to encounter a new mistake because that's how you learn. Well, it's also, they say <laughs> that the more successful people 
have been the ones who failed more often. Right. And they're able to rise above it. I agree. I agree. I, I, I think we, my wife and I would agree with you completely, 100%. I think the capacity to recover is, is important. Mm-hmm. And to look at them really as, a, as, a, as what they are. Every time you're going to create values, resistance is going to be knocking at your door. That's what the deal is. <laughs> That's great. I have to wrap this up soon, but I look at you and I see a very successful musician who's accomplished a lot. Are there many other goals you have? Well, there are many things, and one of them is I really would like to... Um, one of, one of the things I'm really committed to, a lot of the, the things we're seeing in the Institute is a lot of great young leaders. Mm-hmm. I'm, you're going to see it tonight. Uh, I'm really committed on providing the opportunities for them to really do the work and the mission that they, all the stuff they're learning at the, at the global, the Berkeley Global Jazz Institute. Um, I am committed to open new doors for them so, so they, can, they can go out there and do their work and create interaction all around the world with young people. I want to keep, I want to keep doing doing that because I get a lot out of that. You know, I just see that that's the the present, the future. And if there's any hope, that's the direction. I I just want to be in that key, in that tonality. Um, I want to continue supporting my my wife she has some amazing music she's writing so i'm producing things for her um this year i'm i'm coming out with two um productions which i haven't done in a while so those kind of collaborations is something i'm going to keep developing i want to do with more people this year is with kurt elling and with my new band called the global messengers um so i would like the work we do in panama to become sustainable. That's mm-hmm. one of my big goals. And that's a big one. <laughs> that's a challenging the one. The festival was last weekend, was that? Yes. And was it, did it go well? It, it did go well. We had a really challenging year, but it did go well. We have more than 30,000 people wow. coming. But in order to do this kind of work and really influence and impact all these um, young people in, in Panama and, and in Latin America, we need more support because it's growing in terms of numbers of assistance, but not really in terms of uh, economical support in that way. I mean, we get support, but it, it could be more. My final question, how do you get better? How do you get better as a musician? You know, at this point, it, the, way, the way I would answer that would be different than years ago. I think everybody knows that in order to do this, you have to have a serious um, understanding of solitude and how to do that, practice. Um, but I think there's something that, I, that I'm getting to know now. It's, it's giving purpose to your life that go beyond the music. Don't, escape, don't get stuck in, in being a better musician without a purpose in life. I think it's important to answer what do you want your music to do in the world? And I think that's, that really gives you, that fuels 
your behavior and and it, and it makes it sustainable and it takes it away from you and it and it gives it makes sense in the world why we need to feel and hear and see that you know i th i think it's more of on the humanistic aspect I, there's a lot of talent right now a lot of in the world but i just think to keep going going better it's like you almost have to to think about what Wayne Toros was um, write compose and play music in the way you want the world to be like that's how you get better thank you so much <laughs> it's always a pleasure seeing you thank you so much for doing this thank you Michael thank you.